And this is Talk to Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And Bill Newman, we, uh, we have um, lots of snow here. Uh, in Ashfield, I think we got about uh, half a foot of snow. It is looking like a winter wonderland, and uh, uh, it's really pleasing given that a lot of the news that's coming out of uh, the world and the, uh, uh, the country is not so pretty as the snow that we're enjoying. Bill, have you been um, paying attention to the um, uh, fact that three, that, that there's apparently a drone that came from Syria that attacked uh, a UN base, a United States base, and actually resulted in fatality of three uh, members of our armed services and injured many others. And it is uh, uh, feared that um, in one misstep could result in a much larger uh, regional war than what we're experiencing in Israel and Gaza. Have you been paying attention to that story from your... Yeah, I'm not sure it's a misstep, Buzz. I think that it could be very intentional uh, to expand the war, although it's the war everyone says they don't want. But uh, the Biden administration, on one hand, is not going to say, oh, oh well, um, 20 or 25 uh, American servicemen were injured and three were killed in a drone attack. And uh it's uh, we don't have a military response to that that's not that's not how it's going to work um but uh to have a proportional response that's going to uh somehow protect american assets in the middle east which is what assets by that i mean both uh, uh human beings and military personnel and uh physical assets as well I mean, there is a obviously an attempt to bring the United States into a much wider regional conflict um, by actors that are both state actors and non-state actors. So I don't I don't know how this is going to play out, but it's I, to me it is terribly terribly worrisome, and I uh, look forward to getting Michael Clare back on the show to having him explain how much danger this puts all of us in. I mean, it, it strikes me that, if that when you say proportional response, there's a difference between a strike in Syria or at, at the location that was the origin of this drone, if that could be ascertained, or uh, even the Yemen, uh, South Yemen uh, offensive um, acts that are military acts that are taken against um, the commercial uh, cargo ships and uh, U.S. military operations down there. There's also a question of whether or not it's coming from Iraq. But the big question, I think, is if these are all traceable to, if they're Iranian drones and Iranian, mun Iranian munitions, um, is this going to involve the U.S. and Iran in what could then become a nightmarishly large uh, situation? Well, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that the Biden administration has really said very much, um, which I think is rather striking, uh, given, given the potential for uh, conflagration here. Uh, I don't think that the administration has really uh, uh, given us much information to go on. And I suspect that's 
they're holding their cards very close to the chest on, on purpose. Um, yeah, I, I don't know uh, where this is going to go. I don't think uh, anyone outside of the uh, uh, inner circle of the Biden administration does. Um, I don't even know, really, if you can say w- which, state, which state actors and which governments are really involved. And we don't want to make a mistake and decide that uh, we are going to target governmental actors when there were non-governmental actors who set off the drone attack. Yeah, and all this in the, is a sort of backdrop, or maybe not. It might be, it might be uh, in the foreground. But uh, we're getting reports that U.S. U.S. negotiators are making progress on a potential agreement under which Israel would uh, at least pause its military operations against Hamas in Gaza for up to two months in exchange for the release of more than 100 of the hostages who were captured uh, in the October 7th attack on Israel. There is a Globe article, um, U.S. sees sees signs of progress on deal to release hostages, bring temporary pause to Israel-Hamas war. And I'm wondering whether at the same time that that horrific, horrific war between Israel and Gaza could be paused at the same time these, as you say, state or non-state actors could be heating up the conflict in which the United States is directly involved in other parts of the Middle East. It's, it's truly frightening. Well, I thought there was a pretty interesting and well-written story by Peter Baker uh, in today's New York Times, probably posted yesterday. Let me just read a couple sentences. This was the day that President Biden and his team had feared for more than three months, the day that relatively low-level attacks by Iranian proxy groups on American troops in the Middle East turned deadly and intensified the pressure on the president to respond in kind. One more sentence. With three American service members killed and two dozen more injured by a drone in Jordan, Mr. Biden must decide how far he is willing to go in terms of retaliation at the risk of a wider war that he has sought to avoid ever since the October 7th terrorist attack by Hamas touched off the current Middle East crisis. Well, certainly touched off the Israeli response uh, in Gaza. So, you know, there's uh, both of those both of those uh, aspects of this conflict are very much in play and they are potentially both really deadly. You know, I had been encouraged that there was some possibility of Israel finally saying, okay, enough, we're gonna stop this horrifying military enterprise in Gaza. And there seemed to be some reason to hope that Israel was about to say enough is enough or this much is already too much. But in any event, there was going to be something in the nature of a ceasefire. Um, but I think, of course, that this uh, drone attack very much puts whatever potential progress was being made there very much at risk. It, you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. But there's also, I am very, um, what's the right word? Forlorn, uh, concern doesn't even come close. There are allegations by Israeli, some Israeli authorities. I can't give you any more information than that because I can't find any more information than that. That the uh, United Nations Agency for Palestinian Refugees is open 
an investigation into whether or not its employees may have been involved somehow in the October 7th attacks in Israel by Hamas um, and whether or not they're actually UN employees that are supposed to be um, uh, working on humanitarian aid to Palestinians in general and specific to Gaza these days might have been involved in this uh, horrific, unthinkable attack on Israel that began this new wave of of nightmares that we're experiencing. Um, that too, have you been reading about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's a, uh, I, I don't know, and I don't know how we're supposed to know what substance there is to it. If in fact the UN was part of, or people in the UN were part of helping Hamas plan the attack, that would uh, be, as you say, deeply disturbing, does not begin to get at it. But more than that, of course, I think that the reporting since the since October 7th has shown that Israel actually was supporting Hamas's continuation in power in Gaza and was helping, very much helping, support Hamas stay in power in Gaza uh, on the theory that Hamas somehow was uh, a... Uh, I don't know what to say, a peaceful force, but at least a stabilizing force in Gaza. Um, and, you know, the Israeli government has to look at that and said, we did what? We did for how long? We helped, God, we helped Hamas stay in power in Gaza, but apparently the Israeli government did. And that's one of the, I think, underreported, but I think deeply disturbing parts of this story as well. Uh, it's Dan. I have a question for both of you. There was another big story that happened over the weekend that I would love to hear from both of you about. Uh, there was a deal, apparently, in the uh, House of Representatives to uh, give aid to Ukraine and Israel, and there would be border security involved, and apparently it got scuttled. I'm just curious how you think that's going to be fixed. I'm not sure it's going to be fixed because Donald Trump says, I want chaos. As long as there's chaos, people will want a dictator type person or just a plain dictator. That's me. I'm going to do it. I'm the strong person. I am the powerful person. Only I can fix it. I'm Donald Trump. And so the Republicans uh, putting politics over country are saying, we'll just scuttle what could have been a uh, very significant uh, deal. Uh, between Democrats and Republicans with regard to uh, supporting Ukraine and uh, at least doing something. Of course, what this something is, is matters, and I don't know, and we don't know what that what it was. But there had been very uh, detailed negotiations about the about border security, southern border security, and immigration policy, and they apparently are really close to a deal. They were about to make a deal. There was about to be a bipartisan agreement. Leave aside, I mean, sure, there's going to be criticism of it, whatever it would, would have been. Um, but the Republicans said, no, we will create chaos. We will solve nothing. We will hurt America because that helps us. I think that part is truly disgusting. Truly disgusting is an understatement. I, I think... It isn't just, although it certainly is, to to promote his dictatorial bent to say, see how chaotic it is, only a strong arm like me can do something about it. I think it's also that he didn't want to give Biden 
a victory. He didn't want Biden to be able to say that he took some uh, steps and got Congress to agree that would um, at least dampen the crisis that we see at the border, which, of course, is a crisis that's, that has, uh, has to do with the home conditions of so many of these people, these the oppressive conditions under which they live. I, what I've heard, I might have been one of those critics, Bill. You might have been as well, because I heard that it, it's to um, curtail the awarding of parole, which is a term used in, in immigration law, to um, grant uh, applicants who are seeking asylum um, uh, entry into the United States so that they could then um, uh, prosecute them, not prosecute, wrong word, but um, uh, promote their um, uh, asylum petitions. It also would allow, um, uh, that would be give congressional approval for the president to not let so many people into the border, sort of making Title 42 sort of a um, concrete um, aspect of our laws. I'm not sure we would have agreed with what it is, but your point is, I think, the principal point, which is politics are more important than country. Promoting Republican agenda, which is let's get elected so we can do whatever we want, is more important than doing what's in the best interest of our country. And that theme is now getting entrenched in our political uh, sort of reality that it's now... Uh, almost a decade of just uh, my party over my country. Yeah. And creating chaos because that makes people feel the need for that strong dictatorial person who Trump says he is and which he promotes. Um, And it's really scary that there are not more responsible people in the Republican Party or what was the Republican Party to say, no, wait a second, we're going to do something right for the country. And they actually would have gotten a lot of what they wanted, probably way more than to make you or you or me comfortable was. But um, uh, but it's just extraordinary how they'll sell out the country for Donald Trump. Extraordinary indeed. We're going to be right back after this. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back um, on Talk the Talk. Bill, um, we started this, let's see, the last few days of January, entering February with nothing but dark, dark news. There is some good news coming on the Commonwealth uh, sort of ledger of things with Uh, really a very significant commitment to improving affordable housing here in this region, low-income housing and moderate-income housing. um, For The the governor herself, Governor Healy, said uh, over the weekend that it has been so long since we've actually paid attention to this, and we're now becoming aware of what a huge impact it has on our communities, and it's time to make an investment that's long overdue. What do you think, Bill? Well, I think that's clearly right. And there's clearly a crisis in housing, not only in affordable housing, but in uh, uh, in the broader housing market. Um, house, housing prices are skyrocketing. They're unaffordable. Um, and uh, I think that the big picture 
of west-east rail, east-west rail, people being able to commute to Boston from uh, western Massachusetts or to Worcester from western Massachusetts, um, uh, to build housing in places where the houses will be, should be more affordable than in the Boston metro area. And I think that's all to the good. Um, you know, we're talking about $4.1 billion as a bond bill. That's a lot of money. It's also not going to happen instantaneously. There's not going to be some magic wand that comes and creates housing available tomorrow. So, yes, it's good news. But, yes, it's going to take concerted activity and a lot of planning and a lot of local cooperation and a lot of focus by local municipalities saying, yes, we want this. We want mixed housing and we want low income housing and we want the housing because it is all for the better for all of us. So good for the governor for taking this uh, issue on uh, and for making, I think, a significant, a large scale effort. Uh, but I think that if we're looking for any uh, magic wand that's going to solve this in the next few days, few months or even year or two, that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen on the, mac in the macro scale, but there are people who uh, don't have access to emergency shelter. Uh, emergency shelters are, are sort of r at the end of their respective run. Um, they have to be sort of, uh, funding has to be re-upped, um, which the governor, to, to her great and good credit, is is trying to do as our uh, our delegation to the general court to our legislature also trying to make sure that there's adequate shelter and we just got this really good news um we had on the show last week from the um uh valley uh community De development corporation and from wayfinders that there's a, at least 165 units that are now approved and are going to be with all due and responsible haste built with monies that came out of that huge bond bill, that $4.1 billion bond bill, um, and that the governor is committed to our region, not just to the Dorchesters and the, and the Roxburys, but also to our region to provide more housing for people in recognition of the fact that there are so many people who want to live and work in this region, but who can't afford it. I think, Bill, it's going to make a really big difference in everything from employment to our schools enrollment. Um, I think it may take some time, but it's a huge, a huge aspect of building our community for the future. If there's not housing, um, the Commonwealth will suffer economically. We will all suffer uh, socially. Uh, communities will be uh, unable to continue with the vibrancy that they have in the past. Um, and that it seems to me without uh, a robust housing uh, market where people that's affordable, um, we, we, lose, we lose our communities. It, it, it's just, you cannot have community without housing. It's just impossible. Um, and if you have housing, uh, of course, it, it is a antidote to all sorts of social ills uh, as well as a benefit in all sorts of all sorts of ways that uh, help us economically and socially and politically uh, and build community, which is 
of course, why we call ourselves a commonwealth. Hmm. That's a really good point. I also, um, we are hoping, I mean, Biden's not getting much credit for it, but interest rates are beginning to come down. That might make interest rates have come down. Biden doesn't get credit for any of it. Doesn't get credit for the the economy. Doesn't get credit for the environment. He doesn't get credit for the infrastructure. He gets credit for zip. Right. Um, And part of that is he's just not communicating very well. But it's really a disappointment because he's getting bashed as if he's failed and failed and failed and failed in places. If the Republicans succeeded in any of this, you would be hearing about it every day on every media platform and all over social media, and Biden's just not doing it. True, 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 and true. But my point is that as interest rates continue to fall down, uh, decline, I hope, that um, for, for those people who are working people and can't afford a mortgage, but right now interest rates puts it way over the top for them, I'm hopeful that interest rates will continue to declined to the point where people could really afford to buy the kinds of uh, housing that uh, that working people, people who work hard for a living and, and, and play the game the way it's supposed to be played should be able to afford housing. I don't remember the percentage, but when I first sort of was ushered into adulthood, it was like, I think, a, no more than a quarter of your, uh, your, your, the cost of your mortgage or your rent shouldn't exceed, I think, 25% of what your salary is after taxes. And I think now that's like closer to 45% is what it, it really represents, which is just crippling. People can't afford a decent place to live, even those people who are working full-time. Well, on that happy and optimistic note, <laughs> I look, it's, you know, interest rates coming down are not going to translate into affordable housing, uh, either affordable mortgages or affordable rents overnight. And I fear that the uh, inflation that's been experienced is baked into people's psyche now. And what they really experience is when they go to the grocery store, boy, is this expensive, or go to out to eat and they say, wow, this costs so much. And there is still sticker shock. And Biden gets the blame for all of that, even though it's frankly was uh, Trump's economic policies playing out that really did create most of that. Indeed. Well, we have Megan Zinn coming into the studio, Bill, with Professor Elon Stevens, a co-founder of Restless Books and a new bookstore. There's a lot to talk about. We'll be right back after this. Such a cozy This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. 